Welcome to part two of our series entitled, I Love My Church. This is an incredible series that we do every year. We're actually recording this today in front of a lot of our Dream Team members, so thanks for being here, everybody. And we welcome everybody watching today. This is an exciting series because we look at stories of transformation. Okay, let me ask you a question. How many of you love cooking shows? You just love watching cooking shows. Okay, put your hands down. How many love cooking? You love cooking. All right. Put their hands down. How many don't like either? You just like to eat. Come on, everybody. That's me. Love to eat and love to consume food. And I've always had an admiration for chefs because they have this incredible ability to take a bunch of random ingredients and transform them into something enjoyable. Matter of fact, at our house, we love to watch the show Chopped. <clears throat> Anybody ever seen the show Chopped? Chopped is an incredible TV show. And here's what they do. They give these chefs a basket filled with like random ingredients. I mean, they're, they're the most random things you could ever think of. They got like a turkey foot, Captain Crunch, a pickle, and some bubble gum. And from that, they take these random ingredients and they make something that is fit for a king, an incredible meal. Well, today, we're not going to look at transformation stories of food or even physical transformations. We love those because it's inspiring. It's fascinating. Today and through this series, we're looking at stories of people's lives whom Jesus has transformed spiritually. He specializes in transforming lives. And every single time that we see somebody's story, it gives us motivation to think, if God could do it for them, he could do it for me. And my prayer is really that you see God as the, 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 the chef who's able to take the random ingredients of your life. And Romans 8.28 says he takes everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, the sour, and he works them together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. When you love him and put him first, and when you walk according to his calling, he's the one who can make something enjoyable come out of your life. It's called transformation. He's in the people business. And the way he does this is through the church. Like the church was God's idea. Jesus Christ died, rose, and ascended into heaven. And the first thing he did was birth the church, empower the church, because that's his plan on how to reach people. Matter of fact, in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said this, I will build my church. I'm going to build my church, and even the gates of Hades are not going to be, be able to prevail or stop it or overcome it. So Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. It's possessive. It's important to him. And this is his plan on how to reach people. Okay, say this phrase out loud, everybody together, that the local church is the hope of the world. Say that with me. The local church is the hope of the world. One more time, everybody. The local church is the hope of the world. Ephesians 3.10 says it was God's intent that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. Like, this is his plan to reach planet Earth. And then we flip over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, 23, Paul is writing, and he says, Christ is the head of the church. It's his body, and he's the Savior. Okay, Christ is the head. The church is his what? Come on, say it out loud, everybody. His, his body. Christ is the head. The church is his body. It's his body. There's some people that say, ah, it's just about Jesus I just love Jesus. I don't need to go do the church thing. I'm just here to tell you God's not okay with that because Christ is the head. The church is his body. You can't decapitate Jesus. You can't separate him. He is the head. The church is his body. And then he says he's the Savior. Okay, listen. If Jesus was willing to birth the church, turn around and lay down his life for the church, 
How many think the church is probably pretty important to Jesus, right? Absolutely. And if it's important to him, it ought to be important to us. And what we find is that Jesus has a love language, and it's people. This next couple that we're going to see is a great couple. I was at the gym working out, and she came up to me, and she said, Hey, I've been going to your church. And immediately I recognized, and I'm like, I went to school with you back in high school. And she said, No, I don't think we did. <laughs> I said, Yeah, we did. Mafel, right? She said, Yeah. I said, Sean. And she was like, no, I don't think we did. <laughs> so I must have had a really big impact in my high school, you could say. But anyway, she realized it, and all of a sudden, we're starting to put two and two together, and it was hilarious. But she's been coming to the church and had no idea we went to the same high school. She's been coming now for a couple of years, and their life has been totally transformed by the love of God. Uh, both she and her husband are great people, beautiful kids, and I can't wait for you to hear this story. All right, here we go. Let's do it. Church home invasion! Do you love your church? Love our church. We love our church. That's what I'm talking about. And they're Niner fans? Yes, we're Niner fans. This is a house divided, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, man. Come on. Well, thank you guys so much for taking time to share your story. Uh, you've been coming to the church now for how long? Four years. Four years. Yeah. I can't believe it. From the time we met at the gym, <laughs> that you didn't even recognize me. I was like, we go to this, we went to the same school. She was like, I'm pretty sure we done, no, we didn't. I don't remember. <laughs> like, Who are you? She, yeah, it was so fun to see you and, and uh, now to meet your husband and your beautiful kids. I want you to go back though, before four years ago. Okay. Where were you before <laughs> Fellowship Church, before Jesus touched your life? What happened? What was going on with you both? So we were living together got engaged, things happened, uh, we broke up, I moved out to Antioch, bought a home, and we found our way back to each other. Um, you're working hard, you're providing, but you're just losing contact with the person you fell in love with. We broke off our engagement. I didn't know what to do. And I was so lost when we broke up. We're supposed to be together, love each other, and I did things. And I regretted it. And then two years later, we got together. And then I moved to Antioch. I moved to Antioch and I felt like I hated it. I did not like it. I had, I was lonely. I had no friends. She had a family, a house, but it wasn't a home yet for her. Mm -hmm. It was hard on me as, you know, a man doing everything you can, but it's just not enough. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have God in our life at the time. Um, church, any sort of faith. Take me back a little bit fur further um, to that season of loneliness because loneliness is such mm -hmm. a deep-seated emotion that mm -hmm. a lot of people feel. Because what else was what else was accompanying the loneliness? I felt like the only way to get rid of my loneliness was to be distracted mm -hmm. by the drinking or just be distracted by going out and going shopping and spending money on 
useless things, but um, I still felt alone. Easter Sunday came and I went to fellowship at the water park and I loved it. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And when you came on, I was like, okay, when's the pastor coming on this day? <laughs> when, when's he coming? And I realized, oh, this is him and his glasses and his big hair. So ever since then, we've been, I've been coming. He, he never went with me for a while. And it was a really a request. <laughs> you know, you, it was you, a request. You will come. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Every time I've been, it's like something said that touches you, touches me. That it's like speaking to me. Over time, it started bringing us closer together. I started joining some small groups, the mommy me groups, where my kids got to play and I got to meet other moms and go to their houses and. It was a little nervous, you know, at first I was nervous because I didn't know anybody and here I am like, hi. But the people who um, whose homes we went to and the leaders of these small groups, they just make you feel welcome and feel like, hey, I'm glad you're here, let's play, right? Like it was nothing and they didn't have any judgment on me or my kids and um, it just felt comfortable and I just kept going back. We had a freedom group here of like 38 people in our home every Tuesday. And and we made, you know, we built these relationships for everybody who was coming into our home, for all these um, men and women who we had, you know, we were so nervous for them to walk in because we didn't know them either. And um, now they're all family, all of them. It feels good to know that you have real relationships with people who, <clears throat> won't judge you, who won't judge anything that you're going through and no matter what problem you're having or whether it be if you're having problems in your marriage or at work or even at the church, you can still talk to people and they will pray for you and be there for you and um, just be there to support you and we've never had that before. Where are you now in comparison to before Fellowship Church? So I gave my life here at Fellowship. Um, I've been baptized, and now I'm on the Dream Team, serving, serving my heart out. Giving my life yeah. to Christ, I joined the Dream Team. I serve. It's been very fulfilling, and it's a good experience. Where would you be? This is a tough one. Where would you be without Fellowship Church? Looking back at how things were going, probably wouldn't have this. We wouldn't maybe have each other. There's so much a relationship could take before it breaks. And we were we were close to it at some points. But <laughs> that's brought us where we are now. Yeah. Going to fellowship, going to the marriage conference. Um talking to other married couples has made us feel like our marriage is sacred, it's a gift, and we don't take it for granted anymore. He has blessed our marriage and made us, um, made us realize how much we truly love each other. We, we are, are the Watleys and we love our church. Write this down, everybody, that the church is a place to belong.
The church is a place to belong. Loneliness is such a deep-seated emotion that every single one of us has experienced. And it always leads to depression every single time. Here's the crazy thing about loneliness. You can be in a room full of people and still feel alone. You can have a thousand friends on social media and still feel alone. And what a trick of the devil to get you isolated and insulated all by yourself. Because if he could get you alone, you're an easy target. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be alert and sober-minded. Why? Because your enemy, which we do have an enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. I don't know if you've ever seen those animal shows before, but the, like the predator, the lion, the cheetah is seeking like its prey. And as it's looking for its prey, it never attacks the herd. There's strength in the herd. It's always looking for that, that isolated one gazelle that's off doing his own thing. It's isolated. It's alone because it's an easy target. It's easy prey. Well, listen, in our text, in our, in our stories already, Tim and Mifel said they felt so lonely. They were struggling with loneliness. Can I tell you, when you're alone, you are an easy target for attack. Because all you're thinking about is you're stuck with your own thoughts. You have nobody to speak life to you, nobody to pray for you, nobody to encourage you, nobody to speak life and correct you and say, hey, stop thinking that way. Don't do that. Let's get dressed, open the blinds, let's go out of the You're stuck by yourself. You are an easy target for the enemy who's looking for people to devour. And I'm just telling you, there's strength in the herd. There's strength in the church. If I was you, I wouldn't stand on the fringe. I'd be smack dab in the center. Because when you're alone, you're focused on yourself. You're not thinking about serving people or making a difference in anybody else's life. You're just focused on how lonely you are. Matter of fact, you threw a pity party, and the only body who showed up was you. Me, myself, and I is a horrible small group on any day of the week. And here's the truth, everybody. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good. Now, contextually, he's talking about Adam in the garden, and probably a lot of ladies, you'd agree with this, that probably why God said that was because Adam was kept, he kept getting lost in the garden to eat and wouldn't stop for directions. So God was like, I'm going to help you out, brother, give you a woman to help you out. No, that's not the case, but the truth of the principle is always true even today. It's not God's plan for us to be alone. We weren't made to do life alone. He wants us to be in relationship, healthy relationships with God and with other people. Psalm 68 says this. It says, God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. Okay, listen. Here's our prayer. Our prayer as a church is that God help us to be the kind of family that you would set the lonely in. Come on, let me hear a good and strong amen, everybody. That's your heart today. I'm praying that we be the kind of family that God would set the lonely in. Because God wants you to move from being an attender to being a belonger. Like, here's the good news. You belong before you even believe. God had a lot of time where he was spending with people whose lives were not put together. They were still filled with sin. And he stuck, he, he stuck his neck out on the line and said, listen, I'm going to spend some time with you just to bring you closer. God wants to make you aware of the fact that you belong before you even believe. But once you come be a part of the family, don't just stay an attender, become a belonger. So ask yourself this question, am I an attender right now or am I a belonger? You say, well, how do I know? Well, an attender is a consumer. 
a belonger is a contributor. Do I just come to church for me when I need it? Or am I coming to help write some more stories like the ones we're hearing in this series? I want you to know the thrill of pouring your life out so others may know about the love and the grace of God. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at it in your notes, everybody. Jesus came and preached peace to those who were far away and to those who were near. Verse 19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. Underline that phrase in your notes. You're with God's people, and also now you're members of God's household. He wants you to be a part of the family. Don't just be an attender, be a belonger. Be somebody who's giving your life away to reach other people. Say this with me. We're better together. Come on, say it again. We're better together. Ruben and Rika, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share your story. I know this is going to be a good testimony video already because you love the Warriors. Hey. Yes. A, <laughs> Warrior Dub Nation, ladies and gentlemen. All day, all day. Hey, listen, I know God has done such incredible work in you all. And the, the, the power of a story is incredible. A lot of people don't know your story. They see you guys around serving, smiling, filled with joy. But they don't know what God brought you through to this point in your life. So if you wouldn't mind, take us back to where you were before Fellowship Church. I've always had an outlook as trying to just, trying to do a lot, trying to be a lot, trying to be who I think that the world wants me to be. So I used to be Rika at work and then Rika at at church or Rika at home or Rika at school and I was very compartmentalized. I was sad for a long time but I was acting like I wasn't. We grew up different backgrounds, whatever. I grew up going to church. As I became an adult, I kind of branched off and, and we started doing our own thing and kind of find other things to make you happy. Going out, you know, drinking and smoking and, and doing the things that you see on TV or, or what everybody else is doing, they make it seem like it's so it's all good. It's a good life, you know. If we got, if we had any issues or if we had any misunderstandings or arguments or whatever, it would just linger for days and days and days because we never had time to, to see each other or, or talk it through. We'll be arguing on the way somewhere, and we get to show up, open the door, and hey, how you guys doing? You know, we're all, like everything is all good, like you know. And we get back in the car and we get back to arguing again. You, know? you, you said you didn't grow up in church, and you grew up in church, but quit and started going your own way. What did that do? on the inside of you too. It definitely made me feel hollow. It made me feel empty. Never did it once. The the D word, the big, you know, the big uh, divorce word ever come across my mind. And so in those moments where I knew we were both preparing ourselves for the possibility of it, I've never felt so low. Way back in the day, we would smoke or we would drink. We would do whatever. We would try to fix it by just ignoring it. So you're feeling empty, you're feeling hollow on the inside, your marriage is quickly falling apart, you th you're thinking there's got to be more. How did you find Fellowship Church? So my sister came to Fellowship a couple of times and um, I asked her about it. She thought it was great. We decided one Sunday t to just give it a shot. And um, from the parking lot to the coffee to worship, kids church, it was it was excellent. We just knew that was the church for us. We it, we didn't even have to say we we're gonna come back. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's walking around, shaking your hand, opening up doors for you. You bring I could bring food into church, but like it was <laughs> like it was it was completely yeah. 
completely different for me. This is where this is where I need to be. Like, what took me so long to to come back, you know? And uh, rededicated my life back to God. And from then and on, that's when I actually got water baptized and came out of that water. And my mom and dad were there. My sister was there. My family was there. Watching her go before me, and our daughter actually went. She got baptized, and I'm back there holding back tears, you know, trying to be, trying to be strong, you know, hold back tears <laughs> or whatever. I was shopping online just for a small group that would fit my schedule, and I came across a Freedom Small Group, or it just really propelled me into um, embracing all of me. So I used to be a different person everywhere I went, and now I'm just Rika the child of the king everywhere I go. I wish I didn't wait so long. I don't know why I was so intimidated to join a small group. I never want to go back to that place where I felt, um, where I felt so um, fake. Going to a small group just really made me feel a lot that more welcome at church because you actually know people. You actually getting to, to, to know their families and their kids and everything like that. So we went we went through the growth track, you know, four weeks of the growth track. We joined the dream team and now I serve with the ushers and I continue to serve months after that. And then they asked me if I wanted to actually lead for the team. So I accepted and now I'm the team lead for the first Wednesday service for the ushers. I started to serve on the hospitality team and the small group team. Now I am a lead for both. So I'm also an intern currently, and I'm just so excited to just be all in, really just to do and serve anywhere. Where would you be without your church? Still be hollow, still still not, still be feeling like something is, is missing, repeating the same cycle over and over and over again, Nothing, nothing's changed. Thinking about how empty and that place that I was operating from, I was trying to draw from a, a dry well. I'm operating from a place of overflow now. I'm operating from a place of fullness because I am His. I get to overflow that onto others and it saddens me to think that without fellowship I could have raised my children from a place of emptiness. I could have raised my children from I could have raised my children from a place of where I came from. And that doesn't feel good. Knowing we can give them, we can leave them a legacy, knowing we can, I can break off that, um, those, those generations of hopelessness. And they can operate from a place of overflow, an overflow of love from God, knowing that, um, I get to leave them with that because of Fellowship Church makes me eternally grateful. And I can honestly say that um, we, are, we are married and we are also married to our church. We, we are, are the Shears and we love our church. Not only is a church a place to belong, but write this down, it's a place to be filled. It's a place to be filled. Reuben and Rika said that they felt so empty. And I wonder, is there anybody that can relate to the fact that you have known what it feels like to be empty? To know what it feels like to go through the motions of life and yet still be empty. Rika said, we had a false front. Everybody thought we had it together, but on the inside we felt so empty. It's kind of like the bag of chips. You go over to the bag of chips, the potato chips, you know what it's like. It looks like it's full. It looks like it's good on the outside, but it's empty on the inside. How frustrating is it to be empty? She said that we felt 
hollow on the inside. They felt so alone. They felt so empty and unsure, which leads them to feel uneasy. And now when people feel unsatisfied and empty, you're not going to just be okay with that. You're going to try to fill your life up with something. You're going to try to fill your life up with something that you think is going to make you happy. And the problem is, whether it's drugs, alcohol, wrong relationships, or just busy work, nothing can satisfy you permanently. Because there's a God-sized hole in your heart. And the only one who can fill a God-sized hole is God. Amen, everybody. God wants to come and fill the longing in your heart. As a matter of fact, there's a story in the Bible, a woman at the well in John chapter 4. This woman came, the Bible says, at noon, which lets us to believe that she probably had a bad reputation in the area because women didn't come to the well at noon. You would go in the morning time or at nighttime in the cool of the day with other ladies. You would not come by yourself to a well in the heat of the day. But this lady did. And she's there, and in John chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews didn't associate with Samaritans at all. There's such racial hostility, and Jesus crossed that boundary, which all of us should be willing to do as well. Verse 10 says, And Jesus answered her and said, Girl, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. You'd ask me for a drink, and I would give you living water. Say living water. Verse 11, Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Now, she didn't understand what he was talking about. He was using this as an analogy. Verse 13, Jesus answered and said, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, like it's not going to satisfy. Verse 14, But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Listen, ladies and gentlemen. This woman had tried to fill the void in her life alone, and all it did was continue to reveal how empty she was. Jesus makes a visit and turns this whole thing into one big old sermon illustration and says to her, girl, you've been drawn from the wrong well. Is there anybody that knows what that feels like to be drawing from the wrong well? To fully be expecting it to fill your life, but every single time it only further reinforces the fact that we are empty without God. I'm here to tell you why. Because nothing in the world can permanently satisfy. Nothing can satisfy the longing soul but Jesus. In John 4, this is what happens. They have this conversation. They have this dialogue. And the woman leaves her water pots and goes back into town, symbolically saying, she now has another source. Jesus has now become her source. She's tried to fill her life up with relationships and other people. Nothing has worked. And God became her source and gave her a new life, gave her a new heart, gave her a new purpose, filled her with his grace. That's what he wants to do in you. That's what he did in Rika and in Reuben. They said this, something needed to change. Like they sensed it. And maybe you're here today and you sense it. You're not really sure what to do or the steps to take, but you know deep down inside, man, something has got to change. They thought they could do life on their own. They thought they didn't need God. They thought they didn't need the church. But every single day, 
they just were spiraling deeper and deeper into to depression and emptiness and loneliness. And it wasn't until somebody invited them to Fellowship Church where they came and surrendered the controls of their life to Jesus. They got baptized, went through the growth track and joined the church, turned around and got in a small group, and God began to fill up their life more than they ever thought possible. And now to the point where they're actually pouring their life out into other people so that they can impact others too. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, he wants to fill your life. It's kind of like this cup, though. It's like this cup. You can take a cup, and this represents our life without God. And you can fill it up with the wrong things, the soda, but there's holes in it. It's not going to stay full. Like this cup is destined to be empty. Well, when God comes to your life, he doesn't just plug the holes up in your life. He actually gives you a new cup. He gives you a new life. He gives you a new heart. And when Jesus Christ comes in, he starts to fill you up with his spirit, with his grace, with his love. And he doesn't just fill you up. He's going to fill you to overflowing because he now wants everything that passes through you to be, be a blessing to somebody else. Jesus Christ wants to fill you so that you can now be a blessing and pour your life out to somebody else. It's called legacy where God fills you up and you never thought you could be full before, but now you're full and now you're overflowing into your school, into your job, into your community, into your neighborhood. Come on. He wants you full. John 10.10 says this, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The devil wants to rob you of hope, to steal away joy. He wants to destroy, make you isolated all by yourself. But can I remind you, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus comes and says, I have come to give you life so that you can have life to the full. He doesn't want your life to be empty. He wants your life to be filled up with the love of God, with the spirit of God, with the grace of God, because nothing in the world can permanently satisfy but Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can satisfy the longing soul. Only Jesus can make you whole. Only Jesus can satisfy your life. Let me ask you this question. Where would Tim and Mephel be? Where would Reuben and Rika be if they had not found Jesus at this church. They said it from their own mouth, divorced, empty, and alone. But because someone invited them, everything changed. Thank you for inviting people to church. And those who your life has been transformed, you ought to go back and write a thank you card to somebody this week. Thank you for telling me about the church because my life has been forever transformed. And thank you everybody else in the church, everybody who's invested, Everybody who's given, served, and been motivated to reach people when they come through the doors, thank you for your investment because you have helped make stories like this a thousand times over. Write this down. Write this down, everybody. We're not done. Let's go make some more stories together. Let's go make some more stories together. How many people are where these precious couples used to be? And who's going to tell them? Who's going to bring them? so that they too can find hope and healing in Jesus Christ. Rika said this, she said, what took us so long? With tears streaming down her face, she can't believe all the time that she wasted. Like she wished she could have come years before, would have saved her so much unnecessary pain. I'd like to ask you the same question today. What's taking you so long? You don't have to stay in emptiness and loneliness. Take a step towards God. You say, well, what do I do? Let me give you three practical steps. Really easy, and we make the path extremely clear here. 
Number one, write this down, jump in a small group. Just jump in a small group. There's small groups all around the Bay Area, a few hundred of them that you can join. Just find one that meets your schedule and, and your liking. Maybe it's a hobby that you like to do. Don't add another meeting to your week. Just find something you're already doing and do that with some other people going the same way as you. And then attend the growth track. Join the church. Some of you have been coming to church now for a year, two years, three years. Haven't joined the church yet? Take the step. Become a belonger, not just an attender. And then number three, after we find your, discover your purpose and help you discover what makes you unique, then number three, I want you to get on the dream team and give your life away. Let everything that God's poured into you now be poured into the lives of other people. Let God fill your life to overflowing. Let him take the random ingredients of your life to transform you into something amazing.